Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Over the last few months, we've been really seeing quite a transformation here in our church and uh, really dry bones coming to life again. Don, come on up. Dawn has wanted rebuttal time for my sermons for a long time. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, she always says, that's not quite the way it happened after I, after I tell some of our stories. Uh, but just wanted to give you a real quick, in just a few minutes, a real quick update on what's been going on. Uh, really, uh, with the capital campaign over the last uh, three months or so, as you know, we're in three major projects. Uh, we're going to be building an entire new parking lot out here, 177 new parking spots, uh, new entrance with an elevator that comes into the church, uh, making that uh, one of the major ways that we're now going to have entrance and access and having people uh, be able to park. Right now we're struggling for parking, uh, and that's going to help so much. We're going to have a, a totally new modern preschool area uh, over in what is today the current uh, daycare room and coming all the way around, uh, including a large uh, group worship space over there. And then we're going to be doing a renovation of the sanctuary. And all those projects cost about $3 million. And you probably haven't heard a lot, and the campaign's almost coming to an end. I uh, just wanted to kind of give you an update. We've got, uh, we had 40-some people uh, that were a part of the leadership team uh, for this campaign, those people have already turned in their pledge cards. And of just that 40-something people that were there that night, we have already collected over $1 million uh, just from that uh, leadership team. And, and the staff uh, gave $70,000. One of the things that the campaign director wanted us to do that Dawn and I uh, were a little reluctant to do was they wanted to tell you what we were going uh, to pledge to the church. And so I've got a 20 right here if the ushers would come and, and yeah, that's over three years though. So it's only like, you know, seven and a half dollars today or something like that. Now, uh, Dawn and I, like I said, we, we prayed about this, talked about it. Uh, you know, we give 10%, uh, every week to the church. We decided that we were going to raise that another 5% to, uh, 15% of that 5% go to the campaign. Then Dawn said, uh, well, everybody else is praying about it and raising it. I think we should. And I said, well, I thought that was pretty good, right? Right there. But, uh, but we did. But uh, so we're going to be giving over the next three years uh, $16,000 uh, to the church. And uh, that'll be about uh, uh, total giving. For, we're going to give about 16% of what we're making uh, over the next three years. Uh, and 6% of that will go to the capital campaign. Uh, but Dawn wanted to tell you uh, a little bit about why this is important to us and why we want to do it. Yeah, uh, Steve McSwain asked us to, to talk about not only what we were giving, but why we were giving. And, um, you know, as Chip said, I, you know, I was very reluctant to get up here and say we're giving this much. The, to me, that's something that's between you and God. But they asked us to do it. So, But I wanted to tell you why giving was so important to me. Um, as many of you know, I didn't grow up in church. I uh, was saved when I was about 14. And uh, I went to a small church. We ran about, what, Cheryl, 80 to 100. And I was just a little, you know, just a little small church on a, on a gravel road. I uh, didn't even have a real building. And, um, you know, 
But my pastor really talked and lived how important it was to tithe and give. And so um, when I went to high school, I got a little co-op job, and I worked at the school board, and I made $3.33 an hour. And so every week, um, I would give my 10% of my 10 hours of work to my church. And um, so I, had, I made $33 and change, and uh, so I would give 10 to my mom and 10 to my church, and then I had 10 to put gas in my car and do all of those things. And um, I never questioned it. That was what my pastor told me I was supposed to do, so that's what I did. And, um, you know, God always blessed. He always provided for me. I was able to buy my own car and and do so many things. And when I got ready to go to college, um, I thought, how in the world am I going to go to college? No one in my family had ever gone. We didn't know how we'd afford it. And my pastor said, well, we'll pray about it. And we prayed about it. And um, I worked at the school board. They helped me work through my financing, be able to, to get it to, to work out so I could go to college. My little church of 80 people sent me $50 a month to, to live on. And that's what I lived on my freshman year, $50 a month. They lived it. They tithed and they gave. And as a result, I was able to go to college with no uh, help from my parents and uh, get through four years of college. And God has always put people in my life and had times where I thought, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to be able to pay my car insurance. I'm not. And he has always provided for me. And uh, there were some times it was very challenging and very difficult. And then when I decided to go on to seminary, it was the same thing. My church that I was working at at the time, you know, we, we did a concert and we raised money, raised enough money for me to pay my first year's uh, tuition for seminary. And God just continued to provide. You know, I came to Kentucky from Florida. I didn't even own a coat. And, um, you know, even though I just had a little part-time job and was going to school full-time, God always provided. I always gave my 10%. It got cold. I didn't own a coat. Somebody from my church in Florida sent me $50 to buy a coat, you know. And God just has always taken care of me and always provided. And then, you know, as we've, you know, come to Westport Road and through the years, we've just seen over and over and over again how, how God has provided. And I look back now on my... My kids both graduated from college. Andrew graduated yesterday. They're both going on to graduate school. We couldn't have gotten through that without your love and support and help. There are people in this church who, you know, just unexpectedly would come and hand us a little money to help. And God has just always taken care of it. And I am so thankful for you, so thankful for how you've loved our family, how you've lived your tithes and your offerings in such a way that has helped us so many times. And I hope that we've been able to do that with you as well. I can tell you story after story in this church where people have gone above and beyond what they needed to give to help others, to help people in need. I could just list you stories and stories all day long. And uh, my family has been helped so much. And I just, my hope now is that we as a church will bind together because as we heard, there's 85% of people within two or three miles of this building that never come to church. And we're trying to do things here that will make it so that it's a more welcoming place so that we can get out there. When they drive into the parking lot, there's a place to park. And, um, you know, we have a legacy of buildings and beautiful places to worship that people have left us. And so now it's our turn to give and our turn to um, make a parking lot so more people can come in and so more ministry can be done, so more people can be reached in this community. So that's what it's all about, and that's why I want to give. And I just hope that you will pray and that God will um, um, impress it on your, par- uh, your heart so that we can get out there and really um, spread God's word the good news to the people around this church. Thank you.
Thank you, Don. I feel like I need to get more money now. I'm just uh, your pledge cards will be coming out next this week, and next Sunday uh, is our pledge Sunday. So please be in prayer for that. Well, everybody in my family, Alyssa got to sing, Dawn got to speak. Andrew, stand up. There you go. There you go. Andrew. He's an educated man now, and so is Chastity. She's an educated young woman, and, and several other people there are, are educated or something. I don't know. All right. Well, congratulations. Hey, take out. You know, I just didn't want you to feel bad, Andrew. So. Uh, Ephesians chapter four. Turn over to Ephesians chapter four. Uh, we're going to be looking at how every one of us are called to be a part of ministry and how we're all called to be saved. Now, I'm reading kind of a weird story in the paper this week. It was about Ketchikan, Alaska. Anybody here have been to Ketchikan, Alaska? Yeah, you probably were on a cruise, right? Yeah, there's no way to get to Ketchikan unless you take an airplane or you take a boat. And so most people who visit there go on a cruise. Uh, as a matter of fact, about 38 cruise ships go to Ketchikan uh, every single week. But here's the problem. A lot of them get there very early because they try to stagger the time that the ships are in. And so they let people off the ship very early in the morning and none of the stores are open. Now, why not? I would have no idea. I would open mine at three in the morning if they stopped a cruise ship there. But a lot of the stores aren't open. And as a matter of fact, sometimes the only thing that is actually open is the homeless shelter that is in Ketchikan. Got a picture of it uh, right here. And so all the cruise passengers go into the homeless shelter and eat their food. And so the homeless shelter in Ketchikan is asking the city council to give them $14,000 a year to make up for the deficit they're spending giving free food to the cruise passengers who get off of the ship and come in and eat the homeless food. Now, I tell you that because doesn't that sound weird uh, to you that people that are paying to go on a very nice, expensive Alaskan cruise are going in and eating the food that are supposed to be for homeless people. And they say we never turn anybody down. But as strange as it might sound, we've heard statistics over and over again that 15% to 20% of the people in the church do 80% of the work and give 80% of the money. Now, if that's the case, you almost have the same situation where eight out of 10 people who are actually members of the church do very little, but expect to get all of the benefits of the church. When in reality, God has called all of us to be an integral part of the church and what he is doing on mission in the community. Look over to Ephesians chapter four, beginning with verse four, Ephesians chapter four, beginning with verse four. And the first thing we see is this, that all Christians share a common foundation that binds us together as one. If you are a Christian, I don't care what denomination you are. I don't care what country you're from. Uh, if you are a Christian, we all share a common foundation that should make us one family in Christ. Look down to Ephesians four, four. We're told there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. So we have this whole list of things that we're told make us one, make us part of the family of God. Now, we've talked before that the day you became a Christian, the day you gave your life to Christ, everything changed. And you became a part of God's family, whether you wanted to or not. 
If you've ever heard people say, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't need the church, doesn't exist. If you are a Christian, you are a part of God's family. You may be a bad part of God's family or a poor part of God's family, but it doesn't change if you're a Christian. The church, every Christian everywhere is a part of your family and you're expected to be involved in the body of Christ. So let's look at some of the things he said we share if you are a Christian, down to verse four. One body. And uh, that, that means one church. Now, it doesn't mean it has to be Westport Road Baptist Church, but every Christian makes up the body of Christ. We are one body. He says we're one spirit. The spirit of God indwells and lives in each and every one of us. The same spirit of God that is in you is in the person next to you and in the person next to them. So, in effect, you share the same DNA of God. You have the same spirit. We're told we have one hope. The hope that our sins will be forgiven by the grace of Jesus when he died on the cross, that we're going to go to heaven and be with him forever. We share, every Christian shares that one hope in God. We have one Lord. We all worship the same God. We may believe a few different things about him or see him in a few different ways, but we worship the same Lord. We have one faith. And you say, well, you know, but different denominations have different ways of looking at everything. Yeah, but it's one faith. It's Jesus dying on the cross. It's Jesus forgiving you, coming into your life. There is one faith. There is one baptism. And you say, well, now, Chip, every denomination has different ways of baptizing and different ways of doing things. Yes, but there's only what baptism represents, which is you are coming into God's family. You are identifying as part of the family of God. There is one baptism. And then we're told there's one God and father of us all. And then look at the end of verse five. What do we share in common? He is overall. So every one of us, God is the one who is over us. He is overall. He is through all and he is in all. So every person in this room, as we said, shares not only a belief in God as our father, as our, our, as our savior, but he is literally indwelling in each and every one of us. So we share something that makes us one, a common foundation. Every Christian everywhere on this planet shares that common foundation in Jesus Christ that makes us one. You look around the room today, there are so many different kind of people in this room. There are different ages, different genders, uh, different, different ways of dressing, different, different uh, incomes, uh, different, you know, anything you can think of. We differ in every way in the world, but it is these things that we share as one that bring us together in the room. You're not in this room because you support the same political candidate or the same ball team or you see even theology the same way. You're in this room because you share a common Savior who makes us one. And sometimes the church is kind of a strange-looking conglomeration of people. Uh, All these different groups, all these different people that have come together as one. I found an interesting story the other day about two twins. Uh, the, the, these twins, whenever they were in school, they just turned 17. They're seniors in high school. Nobody believes they're actually twins. Uh, they, they argue about it all the time. They actually had to pursue their birth records when they went to high school to prove they were twins because they don't look alike. I wanted to show you though a picture of the two twin girls right here. That's them. There is a, uh, black father. They're from England, a black father, a white mother, and from uh, the, the same birth, these two girls came out together as twins. 
Now, you would look at them and say, well, they seem not to be twins. They don't look alike. There's a lot that may you look at them and say, well, they're a little bit different there in some ways. But you know what? They are full blood sisters. But more than that, they are twins. And sometimes that's what the church looks like. We may look like different things to different people, but we share a common DNA in the Spirit of God. So all Christians share this common foundation. Our scripture then goes on and says, not only do we share this common foundation that binds us together as one, but all Christians have been given spiritual gifts by God. Every single person in this room has been gifted by God uniquely to serve him. Look down to verses 7 and 8. Verses 7 and 8. But to each one, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says when he ascended on high, he led captives uh, in his train and he gave gifts to men. Now that is Psalm 68, 18. But what's it say? Look back to verse 7. Each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Every Christian has been given a gift from God's grace that was given so that we could serve him and make the church better and stronger. Every one of us. And not only that, it's been given as God apportioned it. Now, what's that mean? It just means that God decided what gift you were going to get. You didn't wake up one morning and say, gee, I think I'll get the gift of evangelism or something like that. You know, but, but God, God gave you a certain gift. And we're going to talk about why in just a second. But every person in this room has been gifted by God. Now, back when I was doing doctoral work, uh, one of the projects I was working on uh, had to do with uh, lay ministry and getting people involved in the church. And I did a lot of interviews with both active and inactive church members. And one of the things I found is whether you were an active member or an inactive member, everybody felt like God wanted them to do something. But the vast majority of people felt like they had no gifts or abilities to do it. Now, how frustrating must that be for someone to think, well, I feel like I'm supposed to do something, but I'm not gifted at anything. Now, the problem is we just see a few gifts. We see preaching, teaching, evangelism, and we think that's all the gifts in the Bible. There are over 25 spiritual gifts in the Bible, and every person in this room has gifts. You might not see it in yourself. You might not see it in others, but it's there. Uh, you might call it your secret gift that you're not knowing or using right now, but God has uniquely gifted every person in this room. I saw something uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago and it was talking about stars that, that have some unusual hobbies and gifts that nobody knows about. Uh, and, and some of them were kind of interesting. Bob Dylan, you know, Bob Dylan, I can sing like Bob Dylan. You want me to sing like Bob Dylan? One time, 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 Thank you. Never actually pronounce a word if you're going to sing like Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan is into ironworking. He makes unbelievable sculptures. That, that's him right there. You know, uh, unbelievable sculptures and ironwork. I had no idea. Uh, Gina Davis, the, the uh, actress, is uh, one of the best archers uh, in the world. And as a matter of fact, just missed. She was the second alternate on the U.S. Olympic team in archery for this year. Uh, is how good that Jenna Davis uh, is at archery. Uh, Susan Sarandon uh, is a ping pong champion and has opened a series of ping pong clubs around the station called Spin. Uh, she just loves ping pong and has won several ping pong tournaments. And then if you're a Big Bang Theory fan, Mayim Bayek, uh, who plays somebody, what's who she play? Thank you, thank you. Penny, Penny, what? 
Amy Farrah Fowler. Okay. Well, she plays the harp, but more than that, did you know she has a doctoral degree in neuroscience uh, as well? So that absolutely leads to being an actress or something uh, after you get that. But here are stars with some unusual abilities. Now, why did I tell you that? Because the person sitting right next to you has not only an unusual ability, but has been especially gifted by God with that ability. Now, how exciting might that be to think, I'm sitting next to a star here. But guess what? If they looked at you, they would be seeing the exact same thing. And that brings us to the next thing that we see. Everyone's gifts are different and unique to them. We've all been gifted, but those gifts are unique to us. Now, there are some things that are just unique in the world that aren't like anything else. One is your fingerprint. You could go around this room and everybody would have a different fingerprint uh, that's out there. Here's some examples of different types of fingerprints. But every person has a different fingerprint. Uh, Snowflakes. Did you know there is no single snowflake that has ever fallen that is the same as another snowflake? Here are some examples, uh, literal pictures of snowflakes. They're all completely different and unique. And the person sitting next to you has not only been gifted by God, their gift is different and unique from any other person in the world. Look down at our scripture and let's see that down to verse 11. Verse 11. It says, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some to be pastors, and some to be teachers. Now, again, I said there's, there's over 25 spiritual gifts listed in the Bible, but your gift is different and unique to you. It is your gift that stands out because of who you are. Now, what makes gifts different? Think about the little uh, uh, acronym SHAPE. First of all, you have a spiritual gift, and some of you may share the same spiritual gift. But then not only do you have the same spiritual gift, you have a heart, a passion for something. So let's say your gift is administration, but you have a passion for teenagers. So right there, what would that tell you? Well, I probably need to be using the gift of my, my gift of administration doing something with teenagers. But not only that, you have some natural abilities and talents. You're just good at some things. Uh, so maybe what you're good at is just you're really good at organizing things. Uh, you can get things organized, you know. So, so maybe that's your, your, your ability or, or gift or something. But then you all have a unique personality. Let's say, well, you know, I'm real shy. I don't like talking to people. And I get nervous around teenagers, but I have a passion for them. But my personality is I'm shy. So what do you do then? Well, maybe behind the scenes, you're organizing the mission trip or something like that for the teenagers because that's your passion. But then we've all had unique experiences too. Things that are just ours, that nobody else has had, things that you've seen and done, uh, things that you have gone through that make your gift unique to you. So everyone's gifts are different, but everyone's gifts are unique to them. That brings us to the next thing that we see. Not only are we all gifted, not only are our gifts unique to us, but all of our gifts are complementary and work together. None of our gifts are meant to be used alone. They're not standalone gifts. There's no such thing as a Lone Ranger gift. Every gift is made to be used in conjunction and to complement others' gifts, and they only work the way God wants them to when we use them together. Look down to verse 12. Verse 12, why are these gifts given? To prepare God's people for works of service that the body of Christ may be built up. Now look at that again. To prepare God's people 
for works of service. So why have we been given these gifts? To train and prepare one another so that we can serve with the gift that God has given us so that the church body is built up. So that's what it's all about. We've got gifts of service that build up the body that do God's work. So all of us together, some of you uh, are great with preschoolers. Others of you would pull your hair out if you had to be five minutes in a room with preschoolers. And I look around the room and see some of you have already done that uh, because they must have put you in a room with preschoolers or, or something like that. So, you know, our gifts, though, are complementary. They work together to build up the body of Christ Uh, to make God's work stronger. That's what they're all about. So together, our gifts all fit in place. If you ever played any volleyball, there's a person on on the volleyball team called a setter. And what the setter does is they set up the people on the front line so they can smack that ball over and, and, uh, and get a point there. Now, here's the thing. What if there was nobody to set to? What if you were a pitcher and there was no catcher? You could be the best pitcher in the world, uh, but it's not going to go very far if there's no catcher. Or actually, we go further. If there, if there, if there was no, no catcher. God, i got to think through these analogies before I use them there or something like that. So, so you know, our gifts complement one another in the church. Your gift is not to be made to be used alone, but it's when we use all of our gifts together. That's when everything works out. Last year, the Green Bay Packers had a game on Veterans Day uh, in September, and here were the stands uh, on Veterans Day. Do you think that happens by accident? People are, isn't that weird? We all just happened to wear red in this section, and it made a neat little flag. You know, rather, what happened is that was coordinated. What if you just had one person wearing a red shirt by themselves? Would that have mattered? No, it was only when everybody came together and suddenly all their, their, their gifts complement until you have that. That's what the church is supposed to be like. Our gifts build upon another. Our gifts complement one another. And that brings us to the last thing that we see. What's the result? The result is that together we become the fullness of Christ. Together we become the fullness of Christ. Yesterday, we had teams go out throughout the city of Louisville for Impact Louisville. Uh, We had teams, uh, if you want to see a quick example, look out the Zachary Taylor when you leave. We totally landscaped Zachary Taylor Elementary School. Uh, and, and it needed it, you know, but it looks really nice over there right now. We were at Scarlet Hope Ministries. Uh, we worked with Mary Hurst. We went to several nursing homes, uh, and facilities like that. Uh, we were throughout this community that were doing things. Why are we doing that? Because together we become the fullness of Christ. There were people that visited, uh, shut-ins and people in nursing homes. Maybe they wouldn't have been very good at landscaping in 10 degree weather yesterday over at Zachary Taylor. But together, as a church, they could be at Zachary Taylor, Scarlet Hope, and the nursing home all at the same time because we're all one body of Christ. And so together, they became the fullness of Christ. They weren't the fullness of Christ by themselves. It was only when we all worked together that the whole community could be touched by being the fullness of Christ. Look at verse 13. Verse 13. Until we all reach unity in the faith in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So why did God give us these gifts? It was so that he could be everywhere in this community as our church reaches out and touches people. It could become the fullness of Christ. 
Let's look at the three things that are mentioned here in verse 13 and talk about what happens if we don't all work together. Verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith. So when everybody realizes I've got a spiritual gift, God's called me to service in this church. My gift is only good when I use it in conjunction with your gift. What is the result of that? The result is unity. Why is there unity? Because I'm using my gift. You're using your gift. Things are being done for the kingdom of God. And together we're rejoicing. There's unity. What if people do not use their gifts? Then there's not unity. What is there? Yeah, whatever the word is. Non-unity. Something like that. Disunity. Something. Yeah, bad things. We're not together. Thank you. Thank you for all the help over here. I appreciate that a lot. Okay, so together there's unity. Without it, there is not unity. Why would there not be unity if somebody didn't use their gift? Well, think about it. There wouldn't be unity because if you're not using your gift, you might say, well, I'm being selfish. It's all about me. Or somebody else is being overworked and they're saying, how come nobody else is doing stuff when I'm working myself to death? And so there's not unity. With the next thing that he says, okay, he says, if we work together and use our gifts, there's unity. He goes on in verse 13 and he says, there's also then knowledge in the son of God. So we gain maturity. We gain, we grow closer to God. How does not using your gift take you away from God? Because you're not involved. You're not using your gift. You're not, you're not making an impact. And therefore that maturity of being involved in serving doesn't take place. And then the last thing he says is when we all use our gifts, We become the fullness of Christ. Can't do it on our own. But together, as we spread out over 80 ministries, we become the fullness of Christ. Get one of those green brochure books when you leave. Uh, It's going to tell you all about uh, what to do and how to get involved in ministry. Over 80 ministries. You know what? I would say a fourth of these ministries were started by people who came in and said, Chip, I got an idea. And, And that was it. So if you don't find yours in there, start it. Get it going. If you've ever been to California, one of the neatest things you could ever see is the redwood trees. Uh, they, some of the redwood trees are absolutely amazing. can grow up to 350 feet tall. 350 feet. Amazing, massive trees. But their root systems are only five or six feet. Here's a picture of the root systems of a redwood tree. Five or six feet is the entire root system. Now, can you imagine that's the entire root system holding up that tree you just saw? How does that work? That didn't, you know, that would seem impossible. You'd think there'd be trees going down all the time, but you almost never see a redwood tree fall. And do you know why? Because they don't go down. Their root tree, their root system goes out. Show the next picture here. See that? They grab on to the other roots of the other trees. And so when the biggest storms come, they won't be knocked down. Because you have to knock down every tree in the forest to knock down one redwood tree because they're all holding on to one another. That's what the church is supposed to be like. You know, in and of ourselves, our root system is shallow. And there's a lot that can knock us down. Problems and troubles in this world, things that hit us from every side. And we're limited by what we can do. Uh, The best I can do to serve God is is a few uh, uh, weak abilities that I have. But when we put it all together and we hold on to one another, there's nothing that can ever knock the church down. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for the love that you have for us. Thank you that you hold us and bind us together as one. 
Lord, help us to realize that together we can make quite an impact in this community and in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we go into this time of invitation, I want you to think about where is God calling you? What's your unique shape? And maybe right where you're sitting to say, Lord, help me get involved in this ministry. Let me do that. Take that book home, look at it, find a place for, for you to serve. Uh, make a prayer right now. Lord, help me to use the gift you've given me. Maybe you've got problems and troubles. You can come pray at the altar, pray with ministers that would be down front. Uh, you can come say, I want to join this church, be a part of what this church is doing to make an impact in this community. And the most important decision you could ever make is to say, I want Jesus Christ in my life and give your life to him. Come down and follow him as your Lord and Savior. But this is your time and your opportunity as we stand together and we sing.
changed you. Amen. So that you can be a change agent to others. That starts with prayer. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.